Chapter Nine of Pushing to the Front by Arisen Sweat Marden. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Luke Sartor. Chapter Nine Round Boys in Square Holes. The high prize of life, the crowning fortune of a man, is to be born with a bias to some pursuit which finds him in employment and happiness. Emerson. There is hardly a poet, artist, philosopher, or man of science mentioned in the history of the human intellect, whose genius was not opposed by parents, guardians, or teachers. In these cases, nature seems to have triumphed by direct interposition, to have insisted on her darlings having their rights, and encouraged disobedience, secrecy, falsehood, even flight from home and occasional vagabondism, rather than the world should lose what it cost her so much pains to produce. E. P. Whipple I hear a voice you cannot hear, which says, I must not stay. I see a hand you cannot see, which beckons me away. Tickle James Watt I never saw such an idle young fellow as you are, said his grandmother. Do take a book and employ yourself usefully. For the last half hour you have not spoken a single word. Do you know what you have been doing all this time? Why, you have taken off and replaced and taken off again the teapot lid, and you have held alternately in the steam, first a saucer and then a spoon and you have busied yourself in examining and collecting together the little drops formed by the condensation of the steam on the surface of the china and the silver. Now are you not ashamed to waste your time in this disgraceful manner? The world has certainly gained much through the old lady's failure to tell James how he could employ his time to better advantage. But I'm good for something, pleaded a young man, whom a merchant was about to discharge for his bluntness. "'You are good for nothing as a salesman,' said his employer. "'I am sure I can be useful,' said the youth. "'How? Tell me how. "'I don't know, sir. I don't know.' "'Nor do I,' said the merchant, laughing at the earnestness of his clerk. "'Only, don't put me away, sir, don't put me away. "'Try me at something besides selling. "'I cannot sell.' I know I cannot sell. I know that too, said the principal. That is what is wrong. But how can I make myself useful somehow, persisted the young man. I know I can. He was placed in the counting house, where his aptitude for figures soon showed itself, and in a few years he became not only chief cashier in the large store, but an eminent accountant. You cannot look into a cradle and read the secret message traced by a divine hand and wrapped up in that bit of clay any more than you can see the north star in the magnetic needle. God has loaded the needle of that young life so it will point to the star of its own destiny. And though you may pull it around by artificial advice and unnatural education and compel it to point to the star which presides 
over poetry, art, law, medicine, or whatever your own pet calling is until you have wasted years of a precious life. Yet, when once free, the needle flies back to its own star. Rue it as he may. Repent it as he often does, says Robert Waters. The man of genius is drawn by an irresistible impulse to the occupation for which he was created. No matter by what difficulties surrounded, no matter how unpromising the prospect, this occupation is the only one which he will pursue with interest and pleasure. When his efforts fail to procure means of subsistence, and he finds himself poor and neglected, he may, like Burns, often look back with a sigh and think how much better off he would be had he pursued some other occupation. But he will stick to his favorite pursuit, nevertheless. Civilization will mark its highest tide when every man has chosen his proper work. No man can be ideally successful until he has found his place. Like a locomotive, he is strong on the track, but weak anywhere else. Like a boat on a river, says Emerson, every boy runs against obstructions on every side but one. On that side, all obstruction is taken away, and he sweeps serenely over a deepening channel into an infinite sea. Only a Dickens can write the history of boy slavery, of boys whose aspirations and longings have been silenced forever by ignorant parents of boys persecuted as lazy, stupid, or fickle, simply because they were out of their places, of square boys forced into round holes, and oppressed because they did not fit, of boys compelled to pore over dry theological books when the voice within continually cried, Law, medicine, art, science, or business of boys tortured because they were not enthusiastic in employments which they loathed, and against which every fibre of their being was uttering perpetual protest. It is often a narrow selfishness in a father which leads him to wish his son a reproduction of himself. You are trying to make that boy another you. One is enough, said Emerson. John Jacob Astor's father wished his son to be his successor as a butcher, but the instinct of commercial enterprise was too strong in the future merchant. Nature never duplicates men. She breaks the pattern at every birth. The magic combination is never used but once. Frederick the Great was terribly abused because he had a passion for art and music and did not care for military drill. His father hated the fine arts and imprisoned him. He even contemplated killing his son. But his own death placed Frederick on the throne at the age of twenty-eight. This boy, who, because he loved art and music, was thought good for nothing, made Prussia one of the greatest nations of Europe. How stupid and clumsy is the blinking eagle at perch! but how keen his glance, how steady and true his curves, when turning his powerful wing 
against the clear blue sky. Ignorant parents compelled the boy Arkwright to become a barber's apprentice, but nature had locked up in his brain a cunning device destined to bless humanity and to do the drudgery of millions of England's poor, so he must needs say, hands off, even to his parents, as Christ said to his mother, Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? Galileo was set apart for a physician, but when compelled to study anatomy and physiology, he would hide his Euclid and Archimedes and stealthily work out the abstruse problems. He was only eighteen when he discovered the principle of the pendulum in a lamp left swinging in the cathedral at Pisa. He invented both the microscope and telescope, enlarging knowledge of the vast and minute alike. The parents of Michelangelo had declared that no son of theirs should ever follow the discreditable profession of an artist, and even punished him for covering the walls and furniture with sketches. But the fire burning in his breast was kindled by the divine artist, and would not let him rest until he had immortalized himself in the architecture of St. Peter's, in the marble of his Moses, and on the walls of the Sistine Chapel. Pascal's father determined that his son should teach the dead languages, but the voice of mathematics drowned every other call, haunting the boy until he laid aside his grammar for Euclid. The father of Joshua Reynolds rebuked his son for drawing pictures, and wrote on one, done by Joshua out of pure idleness. Yet this idle boy became one of the founders of the Royal Academy. Turner was intended for a barber in Maiden Lane, but became the greatest landscape painter of modern times. Claude Lorraine, the painter, was apprenticed to a pastry cook, Moliere, the author to an upholsterer, and Guillaume, the famous painter of Aurora, was sent to a music school. Schiller was sent to study surgery in the military school at Stuttgart, but in secret he produced his first play, The Robbers, the first performance of which he had to witness in disguise. The irksomeness of his prison-like school so galled him, and his longing for authorship so allured him, that he ventured penniless into the inhospitable world of letters. A kind lady aided him, and soon he produced the two splendid dramas which made him immortal. The physician Handel wished his son to become a lawyer, and so tried to discourage his fondness for music. But the boy got an old spinet, and practiced on it secretly in a hayloft. When the doctor visited a brother in the service of the Duke of Weisenfelds, he took his son with him. The boy wandered unobserved to the organ in a chapel, and soon had a private concert under full blast. The Duke happened to hear the performance, and wondered who could possibly combine so much melody with so much evident unfamiliarity with the instrument. The boy was brought before him, and the Duke, instead of blaming him 
for disturbing the organ, praised his performance, and persuaded Dr. Handel to let his son follow his bent. Daniel Defoe had been a trader, a soldier, a merchant, a secretary, a factory manager, a commissioner's accountant, an envoy, and an author of several indifferent books before he wrote his masterpiece, Robinson Crusoe. Wilson, the ornithologist, failed in five different professions before he found his place. Erskine spent four years in the Navy, and then, in the hope of more rapid promotion, joined the Army. After serving more than two years, he one day, out of curiosity, attended a court in the town where his regiment was quartered. The presiding judge, an acquaintance, invited Erskine to sit near him and said that the pleaders at the bar were among the most eminent lawyers of Great Britain. Erskine took their measure as they spoke, and believed he could excel them. He at once began the study of law, in which he eventually soon stood alone as the greatest forensic orator of his country. A. T. Stewart studied for the ministry, and became a teacher, before he drifted into his proper calling as a merchant, through the accident of having lent money to a friend. The latter, with failure imminent, insisted that his creditor should take the shop as the only means of securing the money. Jonathan, said Mr. Chase, when his son told of having nearly fitted himself for college, thou shalt go down to the machine shop on Monday morning. It was many years before Jonathan escaped from the shop, to work his way up to the position of a man of great influence as a United States Senator from Rhode Island. It has been well said that if God should commission two angels, one to sweep a street crossing and the other to rule an empire, they could not be induced to exchange callings. Not less true is it that he who feels that God has given him a particular work to do can be happy only when earnestly engaged in its performance. Happy the youth who finds the place which his dreams have pictured. If he does not fill that place, he will not fill any to the satisfaction of himself or others. Nature never lets a man rest until he has found his place. She haunts him and drives him until all his faculties give their consent and he falls into his proper niche. A parent might just as well decide that the magnetic needle will point to Venus or Jupiter without trying it, as to decide what profession his son shall adopt. What a ridiculous exhibition a great truck horse would make on the racetrack! Yet this is no more incongruous than the popular idea that law, medicine, and theology are the only desirable professions. How ridiculous! Too! for 52% of our American college graduates to study law. How many young men become poor clergymen by trying to imitate their fathers, who were good ones, of poor doctors and lawyers for the same reason? The country is full of men who are out of place, disappointed, soured, ruined, out of office, out of money, out of credit, out of courage, out at elbows, out in the cold. The fact is, 
nearly every college graduate who succeeds in the true sense of the word prepares himself in school but makes himself after he is graduated the best thing his teachers have taught him is how to study the moment he is beyond the college walls he ceases to use books and helps which do not feed him and seizes upon those that do we must not jump to the conclusion that because a man has not succeeded in what he has really tried to do with all his might he cannot succeed at anything look at a fish floundering on the sand as though he would tear himself to pieces but look again a huge wave breaks higher up the beach and covers the unfortunate creature the moment his fins feel the water he's himself again and darts like a flash through the waves his fins mean something now while before they beat the air and earth in vain a hindrance instead of a help if you fail after doing your level best examine the work attempted and see if it really be in the line of your bent or power of achievement cowper failed as a lawyer he was so timid that he could not plead a case but he wrote some of our finest poems moliere found that he was not adapted to the work of a lawyer but he left a great name in literature voltaire and petrarch abandoned the law the former choosing philosophy the latter poetry cromwell was a farmer until forty years old very few of us before we reach our teens show great genius or even remarkable talent for any line of work or study the great majority of boys and girls even when given all the latitude and longitude heart could desire find it very difficult before their fifteenth or even before their twentieth year to decide what to do for a living each knocks at the portals of the mind demanding a wonderful aptitude for some definite line of work but it is not there that is no reason why the duty at hand should be put off or why the labor that naturally falls to one's lot should not be done well samuel smiles was trained to a profession which was not to his taste yet he practised it so faithfully that it helped him to authorship for which he was well fitted fidelity to the work or everyday duties at hand and a genuine feeling of responsibility to our parents or employers ourselves and our god will eventually bring most of us into the right niches at the proper time Garfield would not have become president if he had not previously been a zealous teacher, a responsible soldier, a conscientious statesman. Neither Lincoln nor Grant started as a baby with a precocity for the White House or an irresistible genius for ruling men. So no one should be disappointed because he was not endowed with tremendous gifts in the cradle. His business is to do the best he can wherever his lot may be cast, and advance at every honorable opportunity in the direction towards which the inward monitor points. Let duty be the guiding star, and success will surely be the crown to the full measure of one's ability and industry.
What career? What shall my life's work be? If instinct and heart ask for carpentry, be a carpenter. If for medicine, be a physician. With a firm choice and earnest work, a young man or woman cannot help but succeed. But if there be no instinct, or if it be weak or faint, one should choose cautiously along the line of his best adaptability and opportunity. No one need doubt that the world has use for him. True success lies in acting well your part, and this everyone can do. Better be a first-rate hod-carrier than a second-rate anything. The world has been very kind to many who were once known as dunces or blockheads after they had become very successful, but it was very cross to them while they were struggling through discouragement and misinterpretation. Give every boy and girl a fair chance and reasonable encouragement, and do not condemn them because of even a large degree of downright stupidity, for many so-called good-for-nothing boys, blockheads, numbskulls, dullards, or dunces were only boys out of their places, round boys forced into square holes. Wellington was considered a dunce by his mother. At Eton he was called dull, idle, slow, and was about the last boy in school of whom anything was expected. He showed no talent and had no desire to enter the army. His industry and perseverance were his only redeeming characteristics in the eyes of his parents and teachers. But at forty-six he had defeated the greatest general living, except himself. Goldsmith was the laughing stock of his schoolmasters. He was graduated Wooden Spoon, a college name for a dunce. He tried to enter a class in surgery, but was rejected. He was driven to literature. Goldsmith found himself totally unfit for the duties of a physician. But who else could have written the Vicar of Wakefield? or the deserted village. Dr. Johnson found him very poor and about to be arrested for debt. He made Goldsmith give him the manuscript of the vicar of Wakefield and sold it to the publishers and paid the debt. This manuscript made its author famous. Robert Clive bore the name of Dunce and Reprobate at school, but at thirty-two, with three thousand men, he defeated 50,000 at Plassey and laid the foundation of the British Empire in India. Sir Walter Scott was called a blockhead by his teacher. When Byron happened to get ahead of his class, the master would say, Now, Geordie, let me see how soon you will be at the foot again. Young Linnaeus was called by his teachers almost a blockhead, not finding him fit for the church his parents sent him to college to study medicine. But the silent teacher within, greater and wiser than all others, led him to the fields, and neither sickness, misfortune, nor poverty could drive him from the study of botany, the choice of his heart, and he became the greatest botanist of his age. Richard B. Sheridan's mother 
tried in vain to teach him the most elementary studies. The mother's death aroused slumbering talents, as has happened in hundreds of cases, and he became one of the most brilliant men of his age. Samuel Drew was one of the dullest and most listless boys in his neighborhood, yet after an accident by which he nearly lost his life, and after the death of his brother, he became so studious and industrious that he could not bear to lose a moment. He read at every meal, using all the time he could get for self-improvement. He said that Paine's Age of Reason made him an author, for it was by his attempt to refuse its arguments that he was first known as a strong, vigorous writer. It has been well said that no man ever made an ill figure who understood his own talents, nor a good one who mistook them. End of chapter 9 Round Boys in Square Holes Recording by Luke Sartor Brisbane, Queensland